time, the magic of time. If you're all like me, we have more things that we want to do than there are hours in a day, right? And as a creative professional, I've always grappled with how to best allocate my time, making sure that I'm you know, not only productive, but also fulfilled. There's that balance. I was really struck by Dan Martell, who has been a, a guest on the podcast, the concept that he wrote a book about called Buying Back Your Time. Now, this isn't a new concept, but my conversation with Dan in an actual interview show made me want to make a, a micro show about this topic. Now, part of you know the concept of buying back your time, it sounds like a rich person's, um, the theater where a rich person plays. And I want to you know ask you to suspend your opinions about this because I believe that buying back your time is for everyone, whether this is hiring humans to do work and or using tools right? This idea from Dan helped galvanize the show for me and his insights are primarily tailored for business leaders. It's very valuable for us as creative professionals. Now we should start with the buyback principle right now at its core. This isn't simply about hiring people to grow your business. This is about delegation. It's about reclaiming time that you otherwise would spend in low value tasks. Now think about it. If you spend hours on admin, then are you truly maximizing your creative potential? That's pretty easy to see in that through that lens rather that it, it's probably not right. But by offloading tasks that don't directly contribute to your creative output, you are essentially buying back hours in a day that could be better spent elsewhere. Now that's the basics of the principle. But this is, again, I got to emphasize, this is more than just hiring, right? This is not just about hiring people to grow our ventures, but it's about reclaiming specifically time, buying back time. In doing so, growth can follow more naturally. He calls this a capacity over calendar issue, which generally means that you just get really productive. You fill your calendar with things that don't actually move your business forward. So I thought I'd dig in just a little bit more and outline a handful of aspects where you can create the most leverage. Or I'll just say just maybe not the most leverage, but four aspects where you can create leverage. Because remember, this is not just about money. It's about recognizing and harnessing all of the resources at our disposal. Time happens to be one of the most you know, understood ones because if you don't have enough time, you can't you know take certain actions. But this more broadly is about understanding that time is precious with the right strategies, we can make the most of us. Remember, this is less about productivity and more about strategically implementing other outside forces onto our business or to our life to use them to our advantage. Four aspects of leverage here. Number one, capital. Number two, content. Number three, code. Number four, collaboration. Let's go into each of those things. Capital. This is not just about throwing money at a problem. It's about strategically investing in tools, equipment, resources, that can amplify your efforts. For a photographer, for example, this might mean investing in a high quality camera that captures shots in less time or um, is more efficient at doing the kind of work that you want to do. Maybe it's, I got a high frame rate and so you're spending less time on set trying to get your model to repeat a certain action because if you can shoot it at 12 frames a second, the first time you got the image you want, whatever the thing is, right? For a writer, this could be investing in, in great writing software. The point is that capital 
can be used to create leverage for you as a creator. Those are a couple of examples. Think two, content. Your experiences, your knowledge, and your skills are invaluable. Think of how many times you have repeated certain tasks, right? By documenting your process, by creating templates, or even recording tutorial videos for tasks that you repeatedly do, you can save time in the future, right? This is about creating a repository of your expertise that you can most importantly share with other people who will work for you at some point or people that you outsource to, whether this is, you know, through um, any of the, the, you know, creative marketplaces out there like Fiverr, for example, if you can capture and make in a video, say using Loom, a specific task and how to attack it in documenting that you can bring other people along more easily to help you overcome some of your menial tasks. That's content. Number three, code. We live in an era, it's no surprise, right, where technology can be our greatest ally. This has a lot to do with automating and from automating mundane tasks with basic software, say using AI to assist in creative processes, the possibilities now more than ever are really endless. One example here would be say using scheduling tools to help manage appointments, Calendarly for example, or automating your social media posts through Sprout or some other apps. These things using code can free up significant chunks of time. And then the fourth one, the fourth C here under examples of how to get leverage and buy back time. The fourth one here is collaboration. Two heads are often better than one, right? As the saying goes. Now collaboration doesn't just divide the workload, right? It can actually multiply the brain power. In teaming up with others, you can tap into the diversity of skill sets, right? My, you know, right-hand lady, Julie, is a lot better at a bunch of tasks than I am. Nasa, who is the creative director and the technical director of the show, she does so many things different and much better than I do, right? It's in bringing in these other perspectives that we can, as creators, produce better results on a shorter timeline and also at a much, much higher quality. So again, those four C's for creating leverage, capital content, code, and collaboration. Now, you know, in his book and in our interview previously on the show, again, look up my episode of Dan Martell. It's a great one. Dan goes into detail about what he calls the buyback rate, which is, I think of it as a creative's best friend, right? This is a very enlightening concept. It's a simple formula. You take your annual income, including profits and discretionary expenses, annual income, and divide it by 2,000 hours, right? This is a good round number for the um, average amount of hours that you can work in a year reliably and not kill yourself. This gives you an hourly rate, no surprise here, but this is where it gets interesting. Divide that by four, take your annual income, divide it by 2,000 hours, and divide that hourly rate by four. The result of this basic math is the amount you should be willing to pay somebody else to do a task so that you can focus on what you do best. So let's say, for example, you make $100,000 a year all in profit, etc. Take that number, 100,000, divide it by 2,000, and you get 50. So divide 50 now by four and you get 12.5. That is your buyback rate. Anything that costs $12.50 an hour or less, you should be outsourcing. And you say, well, what, gosh, what work could be done for $12.50 or less? Like, turns out that there's a lot. Using sites like Fiverr or Upwork, for example, and there's lots of other uh, uh, basic examples, but these kinds of things 
can be bought for $12.50 an hour. And remember here, this buyback rate thing, this isn't just people, right? It could be tools, subscriptions, automation sites, or whatever. It just tends to be easy if you can think of it with people. That's fine. Now, we've talked about buyback rate. We've talked about, you know, four key areas of leverage. Where do you take this leverage and apply it? Over the years, I've made it a habit to do a couple of very, very basic but high value activities around auditing my time, right? Living by my calendar is way easier for me to see where my time goes, right? If, if something is, it needs to get done, I put it on the calendar. This helps me go back and look at the activities that I did. Was I effective? How many hours did it take for me to, you know, plan the next podcast episode or, you know, edit the last chapter of my book or whatever it was. One exercise that Dan shared that really resonated with me was color coding tasks, right? Green for tasks that energize me and red for those that drain me. When I look back then at my calendar, I have this beautiful map uh, and the goal of which is to help me understand and fill my calendar with as many green tasks as possible, right? When my day flows from one energizing task to another, my creative output is sometimes exponentially better, right? It's like a force multiplier. When you're focused on the things that you're good at and things that you like, not only does your efficiency increase, but the quality of your work also goes up. And by contrast, avoiding outsourcing or tasking others with stuff that's red, it protects your green time from those things and the otherwise negative effects of interjecting stuff that you hate doing into the middle of your day. Now, this idea, it creates a bit of a loop, right? There's this concept of auditing, examining your calendar for time and energy, understanding where your time goes, how it affects your energy levels. Then once you have audited, you transfer, right, the responsibility. You delegate or outsource tasks or automate them, things that no longer align with your core creative pursuits or things that, that drain your energy. And then this third part is really important. It's replacing the time that you freed up with activities that energize you and contribute most significantly to the work that you want to do. Now, there are some pitfalls, right? It's easy to think that I can do everything, but... The truth is that stretching yourself too thin leads to burnout. It leads to making poor decisions. It needs to not your best work. In delegating or hiring out tasks, automating certain things, certainly you risk not only your mental well-being, but also the quality of your work, right? You think that in having AI do it, that they're not going to do it as well as you could do it. Or, you know, having an assistant or uh, someone who's junior in your firm do a lot of these tasks that we're talking about. You could you know, kneecap the quality of your work. But remember, this isn't just about business growth, right? This is about personal growth and about fulfillment. So it is, there is risk if you offload the wrong things. It can actually work against you. This is why experimenting over time will help, right? For example, I once hired out every aspect of my household, you know, chores, laundry, cooking, washing the cars, the garden. I literally had someone, I had a house manager and had someone who managed every single one of those things. And on paper, it made sense, right? Because when I could work and not do those things, I made a lot more money and the my buyback rate was, um, it ended up being a pretty big number. So I could afford to pay people to take that on. And yet over time, I realized that I actually missed some of those simple tasks. And I was longing for a few mindless things in my day, for example, say folding laundry, where creative ideas could arise, right? You've heard about great creative ideas happen in the shower. The science says that those ideas happen 
when you're sort of lightly doing something else that doesn't have significant, you know, cognitive load, but you're active. So I ended up missing out on a lot of those things. And it took me years to realize this. And I don't think that it was a bad thing, but I thought of this all as an experiment and you ought to too, right? What are the things that you can outsource time that you can buy back? And then over time, you understand which of these things are things you want to permanently outsource and which are things that, you know what, it's better if I have that under my purview. In the example of like, I chose to take back my laundry. I actually enjoy occasionally going to the grocery store and picking out my food. I tend to not do the big generic shop, but I tend to focus specifically on things like that I love, like the butcher, the fishmonger, right? People with whom I have a relationship and I can, you know, get really high quality food because I also love to cook. So there's, uh, you know, a myriad of lessons here. It's, it's essential to understand the value of your time and to consider outsourcing the right things. It's equally critical to stay connected to what genuinely brings you joy and fulfillment. Now, there's a balance here. Sometimes the tasks we think of as mundane can offer unexpected moments of mindfulness. So this is where looking at each of these activities or these tasks that you are going to outsource as experiments, will this, the, the value is really clear in doing so. And this is where, again, I would remind you that pursuing growth for growth's sake or achievement uh, as a part of the epidemic of just more, 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 that can lead to a chaotic calendar, to a chaotic life and a loss of direction. Therefore, again, it's essential to ensure that as you grow, you stay aligned with your core values and passions. This is why I like to think of these things as experiments. It's okay to learn new information from an experiment that you performed and change your behavior. In fact, that's a sign of intelligence. So where are we with all this? Summarizing it to say, buying back your time is not about having deep pockets. It's, a, it's not about being rich or some insane arsenal of resources. This is about recognizing the value of time, of moments, big and small moments in, across your day, week, month, and or year. It's about understanding that every task, every project, every moment spent doing something that you don't love is a moment worth examining, deciding whether you should outsource it or not, and how much time you ought to focus on doing what you truly care about. It's not about outsourcing everything in your life, but rather making intentional choices about those things that you do outsource or offload. Whether you're leveraging capital, using your knowledge, using AI or code or collaborating, remember the ultimate goal is to create more space in your life for what truly matters to you. Obviously, knowing what matters to you is valuable because in doing so, you might you know, in following this pursuit, if you don't actually, or if you're not clear on what you'd love, you're going to get wrapped around the axle, rolling up the sleeves. But ultimately, there are structures. Dan's book, Buy Back Your Time, is a great example, and there are others. It's time that you started paying attention to this, right? It's time that you really got serious about understanding what motivates you, what's exciting for you, and what doesn't, what, what, what sucks your energy, what draws that vital fuel, that life force that we have away from us. Outsource the things that have that negative draw on you, double down on the things that are positive for you. And this is not just a rich person's game. This is a smart person's game. Check out my previous episode with Dan on buying back your time. He's got a great book on the topic. And I hope that this episode has provided a little bit of value for you. Until next time, have an amazing day. All right. Hey, before you go, thanks so much for listening. And if you got value from this show, chances are your community will too, right? In the particular lies the universal. 
please share this link to the show with a friend or mention the show on social. That is a huge benefit for us in hopefully in exchange for providing value to you. I want you to know that I really appreciate your time, the attention, anything that you give to the show and the questions that you ask our guests either on social media or through my text community. All of that is pure gold. This community, like any community, is a testament to that old phrase, a rising tide floats all boats. And by elevating one another, by sharing and resharing this show, the tidbits that you learn and the experiences you take away, all of that has a collective, massive positive impact on the world. So just a quick thank you. I appreciate all the effort you put into sharing this show. All right, that's a wrap. Let's put today's episode into practice and get back to growing together.